You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Is anybody ready for God's word? Tell your neighbor, get ready, get ready, get ready. Something is about to happen. Open your Bibles very quickly to the book of First Samuel and chapter 9. First Samuel chapter 9. We're reading verse 3 to 6, and then we're going to jump to verse 18 to 20. Woo! Jesus is Lord. Something is about to happen. Um, let's rise up on the reading of God's Word as a good custom in all house on the rock churches. First Samuel chapter 9, verse 3 to verse 6, then 18 to 20. Um, here beginning for the reading of God's holy word. Woo! Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and arise and go and look for the donkeys. And so he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, and they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. And when they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And he said to him, Look now, there is, there is in this city a man of God, and he's an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way we should go. Okay, then jump to verse 18. Now Saul and his servant have found uh, prophet Samuel. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Hmm. Go before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and therefore I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart, okay? But as for your donkeys, as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? What has happened here? Samuel, God had told Samuel that Saul was going to be the first king of Israel. So while uh, Saul was looking for donkeys, God was looking for a king. Oh, Jesus, help me. Uh, Saul went out in search of his father's donkeys. Three days he had searched high and low and didn't find them, but then decided to inquire of the prophet Samuel as to where the donkeys were. But when he got to Samuel, Samuel said to him, the donkeys that were lost three days ago have been found. What was lost had been found. What was lost has been found. He went in search of donkeys, but God was in search of him. Oh, yeah. 
Saul was in search of dumb things that could not really meet his need. And even at some point in time, he realized that there are things even more important than what I am searching for. But what was lost had been found. Today we are connecting the dots. And the simple subject of my meditation is, it has been found. <laughs> Help me tell your neighbor, it has been found. It has been found. Uh, come and tell somebody else, I don't know what it is that you've been looking for. But I came to tell you this Sunday morning, it has been found. Mighty Father, help me. Speak through me. Whoo! Thank you, Lord. It has been found. It is done. In Jesus' name. And the people said a loud amen. amen. Hallelujah. As you take your seat, say it. It has been found. It has been found. Uh, I, I like an interactive congregation. I like a responsive congregation. It really helps with communication so that this is not just one-way traffic. Help me talk to somebody next to you and said, ask the person, have you ever lost anything before? Have you ever lost anything before? How does it feel having lost something? Doesn't feel good when you lose something. The frustration of losing something is, is real. Can I get a witness? Maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice that right now is a little bit frustrated about something that they have lost and they have not yet found. Uh, and the deeper feeling of pain at loss when what is lost is exceedingly precious. There's some things you lose and it's just an irritant, but there are some other things you lose and it causes you great pain because they're precious. Uh, 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 and then sometimes we don't appreciate the value of things until they are lost. Yeah, because you took them for granted when they were around. And you didn't appreciate their value, but all of a sudden when they are missing, when they are lost, you start to realize how important those things actually were to you and to your life. Don't wait for something to be lost before you appreciate it. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, help me tell your neighbor, don't lose me before you appreciate me. Oh, you didn't hear me. You've got to have a little bit of attitude. Tell the other neighbor, don't lose me before you appreciate me. Uh, don't take me for granted. Don't overlook me. Uh, don't underestimate me. Because if you lose me, you might soon find out that I was actually exceedingly valuable and important to you. Don't lose me before you appreciate me. We talk about losing loved ones, yeah? And, and, and I'm extremely empathic with those persons, brothers, sisters, uh, um, that have gone through some form of bereavement or another, whether recently or even uh, for a protracted period of time. We, we, we talk about losing loved ones. Uh, uh, 
and I understand that, and I'm empathic about that, and I pray for the God of all comfort to minister comfort to anyone that has lost a lost, lo loved one. And this is language that we use, but if, we, if, if the lost one or the, the loved one that passed on was a believer, we did not really lose them. Uh, because uh, what is lost, when something is lost, uh, it means you don't know where it is. By very definition, uh, for it to be lost means I don't know where it is. Uh, but if it is a believer that has passed on, uh, uh, I know where he is. So he's not really lost. He's in heaven. He's joined the elders. Uh, and he's urging those of us that live and remain to run our races with patience we sorrow oh yes we sorrow but we do not sorrow like the world sorrows when we lose a loved one because we know where that loved one is a better place a glorious place is at peace in glory so we can't cry like people that do not have a hope we cry but we cry knowing full well that we have a hope that has transcended the veil uh, and that has secured eternity. Is there anybody grateful uh, that they have a hope uh, that is enduring and that does not disappoint? Uh, go ahead and give God the glory this Sunday morning. Jesus is our empathic high priest. He says that we do not have a high priest that is untouched by the feelings of our infirmities. So he feels what we feel. He's empathic about our pain. Jesus fully understood the psychology of loss. And he tells us three parables about loss. He tells us about the lost sheep. Uh, he tells us about the lost coin. He tells us about the lost son, the prodigal. In all three occasions, the sense of loss was real. In fact, the shepherd prized his one sheep so much that he left 99 to go in search of that one such was the depth of his feeling of loss oh yes the woman uh, at the loss of her coin put on all the lights in her house brought out her broom and swept her house from top to bottom from bottom to top in search of this lost coin and upon finding the coin through a party such was her understanding of loss uh, and the bible tells us that even though the prodigal son was not lost but left. <laughs> the father uh, did not sleep day and night, kept on looking out for the return of his son. Such is the driving force behind loss. So loss is real and Jesus and God is well aware of our feeling of loss, but as real as loss is, God is also more real. <laughs> and God is a restorer, and he's still in the business of restoring what was lost. Oh, Jesus, help me. He says that the years that the locust, the cankerworm, the cat 
pillar and the palmer worm have consumed, he will restore. I came to prophesy to somebody, this communion Sunday service, that the things you have lost, my God is about to restore. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout yes. He's a restorer. He says uh, he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He will reward. He will restore. He will bring it back again. Come on, if you have the faith uh, that God is about to work a work of restoration in your life like never before, can you give him some praise this Sunday morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, 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 but. This problem of loss was not so in the beginning. You see, because when man was originally created, he did not know loss. Why? Because God created everything that man would need before he created man. Man was the, the final creation. In fact, God planted a garden and made sure that every single thing that man would need was in the garden. God placed him in the midst of everything he would need uh, so that he would not know loss, okay? So in the beginning, there was no loss. Uh, so what was or when did man first experience loss. Oh my goodness. There's a method to my madness, a rhythm to my rhyme. Stay with me. A man did not know loss. He lost, he had a sense of loss. His first experience with loss was when Eve had a conversation with the serpent, fell for the deception, sinned against God, Adam followed suit, and then all of a sudden, loss was introduced. Loss that had never been experienced before, all of a sudden was introduced at the onset of sin. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Immediately they disobeyed God. They lost many things. They lost identity. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they lost who they really were in God. They lost glory because glory was covering them before, but when they sinned, the glory departed and they saw that they were naked. They lost position. They lost authority. They lost relationship with God. They lost power and they lost life. For anyone that eats of this fruit shall surely die. So this was the introduction of loss. Loss was introduced on the premise of sin. So it was sin that introduced us to loss. We have loss because of sin. If there had been no sin, there would have been no loss. Now man has to live with the reality of loss. Throughout the Old Testament, loss is baked into every single story told. Every story, you will find loss in it. All because of the original sin and the original loss in the garden. Lord Jesus, help me. <sighs> Therefore, you cannot have total restoration until the original cause 
of loss is dealt with. As long as the causation of loss, which we agree is sin, is still present and unaddressed, loss was here to stay. We are connecting the dots this Sunday morning. We're connecting the dots. And so this is what we're grappling with through Genesis, uh, Exodus, through the whole of the Old Testament. We're grappling with the tussle between loss and restoration, loss and restoration. And there can't be a total restoration because there is still the presence of unaddressed sin. And so then we see Jesus come in on the scene in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, 11. He says, for the Son of Man has come to save, what? That which was lost. So, Jesus is revealing that part of his assignment is to save that which was lost. To Zacchaeus, Jesus said the same thing in Luke 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, okay? In Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, Jesus Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus is in search of the lost. He came to restore the lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Ah, but he could not restore what was lost in its totality without first of all sorting out the original causation of loss. Uh, because if you don't deal with the cause, it would be like getting water and pouring it into a bucket that still has holes. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? As long as sin is still present, that means there's holes in my bucket. So no matter how much water I restore, it's still going to be leaking. So Jesus, to deal with loss, has to deal with sin. You see, the price for sin has to be saved, has to be paid for the wages of sin is death. So the wage of death had to be paid. This is why Jesus came. I want to restore what is lost, but I can only truly and totally do it if I deal with sin. And the only way I can deal with sin is to pay the wage that sin demands. And what is that wage? That wage is is death, all right? So we read, I read to you in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. He says, Listen, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God. In a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, underscore the next part. For had they known, 
they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. <laughs> Satan is a confused fellow. <laughs> He's a confused fellow. <laughs> Satan and the world were confused as to the mission of Jesus on the earth. Even the disciples of Jesus were confused. They weren't too sure what's his mission, you know. They assumed that he was on the scene uh, to take over, to dethrone Rome uh, and take over the nation. Uh, so Satan was confused. Even in, in, in moments, this, the disciples would have revelation. Uh, Peter would say, thou art the Christ and the son of the living God. But a few days later, he would say, you will not die. Jesus, uh, we're going to make you king. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because Satan is confused. Uh, he's wondering, what is Jesus doing here? What is the real assignment uh, of Jesus here? Because had they known, uh, they would not have crucified uh, the Lord of glory. So in other words, uh, they did not connect the dots. They did not connect the dots because the dots were like clues, like crumbs leading to a particular destination. But because they did not connect the dots, they did not know what was happening. They failed to connect the dots. Meanwhile, the dots were everywhere right from the very beginning. Oh, Jesus, help me. Right from the very beginning, the dots were there. We see it when Adam and Eve had fallen from glory and they attempt to cover themselves with fig leaves but then God comes in on, on the scene and says your fig leaves are not adequate and the scripture says that he makes for them tunics of skin. Where did God get these tunics for? Because God had already rested from creation. He wasn't creating anything new. Let me tell you what he, where he got those tunics for I believe. He says the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the earth. He took a lamb. He killed the lamb. He took the skin from the lamb and he covered Adam and, Liv and Eve with the tunics of sin. Dots. He's revealing that there has to be a redemption by substitution. Something has to die in your place so that you will be exempt from death. Oh, I don't know whether you hear me what I'm saying. Because there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. So already, right from the beginning, we see dots. We see clues. When God is pronouncing judgment over the serpent, he says to the serpent, he says, I put enmity between you and the woman, and in the future, the seed of the woman shall bruise your head, and your seed shall bruise his heel. Are you hearing me what I'm saying. Significant dot right there. He didn't say the seed of the man. He said the seed of the woman because there was a seed that was going to come that no human man would be involved in its conception. It had to be the seed of the woman. So a Gabriel angel 
appears to Mary and says you will conceive but not of a man of the Holy Spirit because the seed that you're going to give birth to cannot be the seed of a man it has to be a seed of the woman that fulfills the earlier prophecy are you hearing me what I'm saying oh yes it did say that the seed of the servant will bruise his heel that's the cross but it says that the seed of the woman shall bruise his head that's total defeating of the enemy which Jesus did are you hearing me what I'm saying dots everywhere throughout the scripture we see dots that even in the very beginning while God is pronouncing seeming judgment he's already revealing his redemption his restorative plan can somebody give God the praise under the sound of my voice ah, Jesus help me throughout the Old Testament uh, we see dot after dot after dot uh, leading ultimately to Calvary Cain and Abel Abel sacrifices a lamb understanding that there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood uh, Cain does the opposite and gets into trouble and then he kills Abel oh yes dots clues Abraham and Isaac God calls upon Abraham go and sacrifice your only son it was a type it was a shadow it was a dot he was saying I need you to do this to set something in motion because as surely as you have given up your son for me so shall I give up my son for you you hear me what I'm saying dots over the last few weeks or months we found ourselves often going to the story of Joseph and the very story of Joseph is a massive dot that's connecting things together we see Joseph with his coat of many colors we see when they take the coat away from him and they kill an animal and they dip the coat in the blood of the animal and they take it back to the father to say that Joseph is already dead they didn't know what they were doing that they were already prophetically speaking about the fact that there cannot be redemption until somebody dies in the place of the person that we want to redeem so we've killed somebody so that we don't have to kill him Hey, Jesus, dots throughout. The whole life of, of Joseph is a story of redemption. Uh, that at the end of the day, when Joseph even meets his brother and reveals who he is to his brothers, he says to them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Not just for my redemption, not just for your redemption, but for the whole redemption of the people of the earth better still for the preservation of the ultimate redemption plan of Christ Jesus because if Joseph had not been in, in Egypt the whole of Israel would have died of starvation in the famine and if they had died in starvation in the famine there would have been no seed to go from generation to generation to ultimately give us Jesus the ultimate seed does anybody hear me what I'm saying if you are grateful for the dots if you are grateful for the preservation of God's master plan can you go ahead and give God the praise Woo. even Moses 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 who drawn out of the world just dots everywhere 
drawn out of the water to be the deliverer of the Israelites out of Egypt. The final plague, the slain of the firstborn of all of Egypt while God instructs Moses to tell the people, for you, you shall take a lamb, a ram, untouched, unspotted. You shall kill it. You shall put the blood on the doorposts and upon the lintels so that when the angel of death comes, it will see that somebody has already died here and have to pass over. Are you seeing the dots? Meanwhile, G Satan was so confused, he could not read the signs, he could not read the dots, that this was a type of a shadow telling us of an ultimate redemption that was going to come, that there was going to be a lamb without spot that also would die in our place so that death would have to pass us over. I decree and declare death is going to pass you over. If you believe me, come and show yeah. Oh, the very design of the tabernacle. Uh, all of those intricate instructions, no meaningless details in the word of God. All of them dots pointing to where we are going. So we understand that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, while the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. All of these things were pointing to where we are going. You have to connect the dots. Tell your neighbor, connect the dots, connect the dots. Story after story all dots connecting and leading us to somewhere. You see, sometimes Satan would sniff the scent of the dots, but he was still confused. He didn't know what was going on. When Jesus was born, he was confused. He had heard about a seed. He had heard all sorts of things. How do I decipher this? So he instructs Herod, tell them to go kill all of the male-born children from age five below, just like Satan tried to do when Moses was born. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? They were dots, but God had already instructed Joseph, take the son and go and hide in Egypt. Oh my goodness, what a perfect story. What great symphony and synchrony. What the wisdom of God as he preserves Jesus, even in the attempt of Satan to knock him up, to, to knock him off. Uh, I could go on and on, but time forbids uh, to keep on showing you the dots in the word of God that was leading to an ultimate accumulation uh, of God's master plan. Finally, Jesus uh, is arrested in a garden. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's arrested in the garden, uh, the garden of Gethsemane, because it all started in a garden also, uh, the garden of Eden. And God says, I got to reverse it. And the way I'm going to reverse it, is the way that it started. So he's taken in the garden. Peter tries to stop them from taking him. He cuts off somebody's ear. Jesus says, you still don't get it, boy. This is why I came. I came to deal with the sin issue so that the loss issue could be dealt with. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Dots, dots, dots everywhere. The timing of his crucifixion was at the time when the sacrifice 
sacrifice for sin is meant to be made dots, dots everywhere. The high priest having to be, having to be the one that pointed out Jesus to be crucified was a dot because the, the lamb that is meant to be sacrificed for sin had to be picked out by the high priest. Uh, all of this coming together. Even when they brought Jesus and Bar Abbas uh, before the people and said, who should we release? And the people said, release Barabbas and crucify Jesus. This was the principle of the scapegoat that somebody has to die for somebody else. And so Jesus had to die for somebody else. That somebody else was you. That somebody else was me. That somebody else is us. If you are grateful, come on, give God the praise. The ultimate crucifixion was the completion of the connection of the dots. If the enemy had been able to connect the dots, if the enemy had known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If Jesus knew, if the devil knew, he would not have come against you the way that he has come against you. <laughs> uh, because he did not know that his attack was part of the plan. His attack was part of the plan. His assault was part of this, the plan. His crucifying you was part of the plan. His assassinating you was part of his plan. His backbiting, his, his maligning you was part of the plan. He was playing his part in the script and he did not know that all things, the good, the bad, the ugly, all things, are working together for your good. If you are connecting the dots this Sunday morning and you believe it what it is that I am preaching, come and forget about who's on your right and who's on your left and give God the praise. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus paid the price once and for all. The price was now fully paid for all that was lost to be found. Woo. What was lost that had not been found had now been found. Is it okay? Is it okay? Am I, are you with me? Are we going somewhere? Saul went in search of donkeys and found destiny. The Bible doesn't tell us when the donkeys were found, but it is possible that the donkeys were found on day one of his search. It's interesting that he searched three days and Jesus was in the grave three days. Dots. Possibly the donkeys were found day one, but Saul was still looking for them on day three. This is the problem with so many of us. We are still looking for what has been found. 
did you hear me? Tell your neighbor, stop looking for what has been found. Stop looking for what has been found. This is the master deception of the enemy to keep you searching for what has already been found. The scriptures talks about him going to this place and going to that place, going down, going right, going left, looking in all the wrong places. Looking for the answer in the accumulation of wealth. Looking for the answer in the stockpiling of possessions. Looking for the answer in relationship after relationship after relationship, looking for the answer in sex, looking for the answer in the bottle, in alcohol, looking for the answer in status and position and promotion, looking for what was lost that had already been found, but all in the wrong places. It was lost before, but it's lost no more. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was lost before, but it's not lost anymore. The donkeys had been found, but he did not know. And as long as he did not know, he would continue looking for what was now found. And that's why I've come to tell you, it has been found. The search is over. <laughs> It has been found. So many still looking for by the works of the law to find what has already been given by grace. Okay. Sometimes we are wholly looking even for the wrong things. He was looking for donkeys, 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 looking for dumb things, looking for what does not satisfy. Looking for money that develops wings for itself and flies away. Looking for position. Looking for material things. Looking for all the wrong things. Ask your neighbor, what are you looking for? Looking for the wrong things in the wrong places. Uh, but the biggest challenge is looking for what is no longer lost. It has been found. That's what I really came to preach to somebody this Sunday morning. I came to tell you that it has been found. Saul was looking for donkeys, but better than donkeys had been found. His purpose, his destiny, it has been found. Everything you lost is found in Christ. Everything Adam and Eve lost on our behalf is found in Christ. Lost identity. Somebody shout, found. Lost glory. Somebody shout, found. Lost authority. Somebody shout, found. Lost joy. Lost position, lost life, lost wisdom, lost knowledge, lost understanding, lost direction. Whatever it is that you are looking for, I came to tell you this Sunday morning, it has been. 
It has been found. It has been found. It has been found. It has been found. I don't know what you're still frustrated about. It's been found. That's what the communion table is about. It's about the finished work of Christ Jesus. It is announcing and testifying that it has been found. The price has been paid once and for all, totally and completely. Stop searching up and down in all the wrong places for all the wrong things when everything you need has already been found in Christ Jesus. And what you need to do right now is to receive it by faith. Somebody shout, it has been found. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.